Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We welcome you in today, and uh, from all of those uh, states around the United States, I believe there are at least 10 that are with us this month, and those that are uh, our international downloaders and listeners, we're glad to have every one of you. We pray that the Word of God is ministering to you in your life and that you're being blessed by the teaching of God's Word. Uh, Of course, we would always love to hear from you. Uh, You can contact us through springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. And then I want to remind you once again of our most recent uh, book, I Surrender, Amazon, and in your bookstores. Um, We are going to do a probably only a one-session teaching today from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. And the title of this message is, Why is Speaking in Tongues Essential? And I think what we're going to share with you from Paul's writing is going to open your eyes to see some truth um, that maybe you've not seen, maybe you've not had the opportunity to be taught, but some truth about tongues uh, and their uh, absolute essential position in allowing us to do the work of God. And uh, so we're going to teach that in just a moment. Uh, Again, we welcome you, and we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, open our eyes that we can see, and our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. Then may we be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us out of the Godhead. Reveal to the Holy Spirit what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it and release it to your people. We'll be blessed. We'll be healed. We'll be ministered to in awesome ways. So we receive what you're saying, and we give our word to do our best to release truth. To your people. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Paul begins verse 5 with one of the most important statements, in my opinion, of the New Testament, if we understand what he's saying and the importance thereof. Why would he make such a statement? Well, let's see if we can bring some understanding as to why these eight words have such great importance and great influence in the spiritual world. I want to begin today by making a principal statement. The first principle we must understand is that the gifts of the Spirit are set in order to close the gap between the economy of heaven and earth. I'll explain that more as we move forward, but I want to say it again. The gifts of the Spirit are set in order 
to close the gap between the economy of heaven and the represented needs of the earth. So why is the tongue so important when it comes to spiritual things? James gives us some insight on that and on the power of an unfiltered tongue in James chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Here he's going to share information that we need to be able to apply not only to our human and natural tongue, but recognize how those same principles will apply to our spiritual tongue. He says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Man, the tongue has some power. The book of Proverbs tells us that in the tongue is the power of life and death. James tells us it has the power to speak good, and it has the power to speak bad, coming out of the same spout. Verses 5 and 6 tell us it has the power to kindle a fire. The fire he refers to is the fire of lawlessness that can and will defile the entire body. It will set in motion the course of nature, of natural events, and that this fire is a fire that has as its genesis the things that are driven by hell. So the tongue is of great issue. From the tongue we will be able to identify the ways and the acts of the enemy. The demonic world will rear its head directly through the things that you say. I've seen this exact thing happen in both adults and in children. When they opened their mouths you could hear and feel the demonic words that were sent and set to pierce the ear of the hearer to break the will of the hearer. Words have power. And words also have consequences. These consequences are completed in the natural events of which they trigger. They also bring forward and engineer a fire in their content that burns through the flesh and the spirit of those to whom their venom is vented. Knowing this teaching, our church world has never put the pieces of the puzzle together with regard to the tongue and its relation to the spirit world. How can they, when they don't understand the principle of Christian living that requires one to submit to Jesus Christ, lay down their sin, pick up their cross, and follow him? The process of being once in grace and always in grace, in fact, paved with one word, it is submission. 
So from the saving favor of grace to the security of the believer, to remain in that grace, there is one major commitment. And that commitment must be followed. The believer lives a life of submission to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Between once and always, there is this long word, S-U-B-M-I-S-S-I-O-N, submission. While living in submission, the new Christian or the one in grace grows in that grace and begins to develop his personality, character, and nature. And they begin to be like Christ's. Recognizing that Christ is in us becomes the guiding light, the focus of all we choose to do. Because of Christ in us, we seek the answer to the question before we make a final choice. We ask, what is the consequence of my actions? And how will this decision impact my spiritual life moving forward? So submission is at the center of our development. If we never submit, we never really come into Christ. If we say we believe and continue in sin, we've never really come into Christ. As we come into Christ, however, Paul exposes that the nine fruit of the Spirit operate in you and transform you. From these, our actions become different. They go different right down to the way we think, act, and yes, speak. We speak differently. We have a kind nature and it's reflected in our speech. This submission thing is tremendous and it produces in us a nature that sets on course a completely different course of events than the natural and human course of events. These spiritual events that are stimulated by the nature of Christ and they are stimulated by the fact that he learned his nature while in the spiritual domain. If our tongue refuses to be brought under subjection, then our body has taken on none of the transforming capabilities of the blood. Why do I say this? Well, because of Matthew's writing concerning Jesus' comments on the matter. In Matthew 12, 34-36, it reads, O generation of vipers, how can ye be evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every outer word that man shall speak, therefore we think about the consequences before we do make any decision, and certainly before we speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. When the inner man has been influenced by the work of grace, he expresses things differently because he speaks from the good treasure of grace. He speaks from the position of light, and in that light, there is nothing that can come out of him that's hellish. So good things are exposed through that man. Now we come to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 14.5. I would that ye all spake with tongues. 
So what's the importance then of Paul telling us, I would that you all speak with tongues? Now I know what the rest of the sentence says, but the rest of the sentence will not make sense to you unless you realize what Paul is saying in these first eight words. Remember my initial statement? The first principle that we must understand is that the gifts of the Spirit are set in order to be able to close the gap between the economy of heaven and the needs represented here in the earth. When one has been filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, total submission is being defined by the ability to be moved and moved upon and moved through by the Holy Spirit. This is essential to the believer for a few reasons of which I'm going to bring to you. But I want you to bear this in mind before I go any further. Those that refuse to yield to the Holy Spirit are saying they want control of their own mouth. Because without the yielding of the tongue to the Holy Spirit, their tongue is operating in lawlessness and in human nature from their own intellect and they from that human nature of intellect are kindling and setting on fire the very fires of hell against themselves. That's why James describes this spout of the mouth as spewing both good and bad. The problem is that the enemy is out here to steal, kill, and destroy and to deceive you. And so without even thinking, because you refuse to submit your tongue and allow the Holy Spirit to come through you, you often pronounce death upon things you love the most. But it's happening nevertheless. Why is that happening? Because you have rejected the concept of turning your tongue, yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. It's going on all over the world today. Our world is in chaos much because of that very thing. And as I teach this to you, you're going to see how the heavenly economy is formed through this spirit interaction to do and manifest the, needing of the, the meeting of the needs that are apparent and available in the earth. It is the reason Paul said, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Now, of course, this ability to be moved through is, is essential because this is an opening for communication directly to God by you. Takes you out of the intellect, puts you in the spirit, and you're able to communicate directly to God. Second, this is an opening for Jesus Christ to speak directly through and to you. Third, it's an opening for the church to be built up and encouraged by the words of Jesus. I had a woman say to me not long ago after being in one of our Bible studies, it's the first time I haven't been in Kitty Church since I can remember. 
what she was saying to me. It's the first time I haven't been in a church service that was intellectually oriented. And now I'm in a Bible study that is spiritually oriented. And the difference is obvious and apparent. So there's an opening for the church to be built up and encouraged by the words of Jesus. Then the believer who has been filled is experiencing and expressing the divine acts of Jesus Christ as that person submits to his directives. Now I want to show you why these gifts are the operations of Jesus Christ through the means of the Spirit. Well, we've read that in John 15, 26 and 27, but when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye, shall, he, ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. John 16, 13 and 14. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he'll show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, show it unto you. So we are dealing in the Holy Spirit with the works that are the acts of Jesus Christ. As we read this, it's clear that whatever the Holy Spirit does, he does in response to the directives of Jesus Christ and to the offloading of things that glorify him. Jesus, in his own words, called himself these things. Now, I want you to realize the nine gifts of the Spirit, we're looking at the acts that are accomplished through the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. But we have to find out how did this thing come about knowing that Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life? We're aware that David, speaking of Moses, stated that Moses knew God's ways, and Israel knew his acts. This was spoken in Psalms 103.7. So what way was he the way? Was he the way to God? Yes. Was he the one who operated in the way of God? Yes. Was he the way for Israel? Yes. Was he the way for us? Well, yes. So how did Jesus Christ become the way? We find that coming to us in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1 through 3. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of the eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, and make of him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord." Here we find how Jesus came into operating in the ways of God. In these words, we find the mean by which Jesus was endued with the same thing Moses had, the ways of God. These seven spirits showed Jesus the way 
that God was to operate and to interact with man. And he came about them in quick understanding. And if you read the book of Proverbs, for in, in virtually every chapter in the book of Proverbs, you're going to find one of these seven spirits of God mentioned in relationship to the Son. I am of the opinion that the book of Proverbs is a diary, if you will, written concerning what Solomon was seeing as God taught Jesus Christ his ways. Very interesting. From each of these dynamic spirits that were assembled around the throne of God and are released by God to accomplish the acts that are required to minister to his creation, Jesus was given the infilling of his ways. Now look at Luke chapter 4. We identify what these seven spirits that expose the way of God do and how they operate and were brought through Jesus Christ. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. Now watch it now, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, to recover sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What we're seeing here are the acts that the anointing that was placed upon him from the seven spirits of the Lord that we saw in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, that the acts that came out of him came out of him because he had been ministered to the way God does things. So the ways of God are exposed by the anointing that upon Jesus Christ that came upon him because of the Spirit of the Lord. This brought acts of which Jesus speaks in verses 18 and 19. Here they are. He preached good news to the poor. He healed the brokenhearted. He preached deliverance to the captives. He preached recovery of sight to the blind. He preached setting at liberty them that are bruised. These acts are a direct reflection of the spirit of anointing that was upon him because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. They anointed Jesus. This anointing was from the way God did his operations. The acts are what was caused by being able to operate in his ways. Let me give you an example. The other day we had a toilet break. I said to my wife, well, can't we fix that toilet? My wife looked out at me out of the side of her eye like I'd lost my last brain because there's very little in life that I can actually apply a mechanical skill to fix. So we had to call up with a man that knew the way to do it. We called that man. He's called a plumber. He came in, went in behind closed doors, came out a little while later and said it's done. We were able to walk in and then execute the act of flushing the toilet. The plumber knew the way. He opened the door for me to do the act. This is exactly what we're seeing here in how God anointed Jesus Christ. He showed him the way. He gave him the way. He anointed him, and then out of him came acts 
Acts. We see them here as being ministered to the poor and the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, and the bruised. Now let's go back to this tongue issue. When the tongue speaks in the spirit, it is speaking because it has been presented to God in submission. The tongue that has been submitted can be used to bring forth good treasure. As the tongue speaks, there is a speaking that goes directly in to the, to the throne room of God where Jesus sits as the man in the Godhead bodily. He's seated at the right hand of majesty. Now because this tongue has come under submission and the Holy Spirit has spoken through him, and there is an, evident of the, uh, an evidence of the Holy Spirit's ministry in him, speaking through him, an open door of communication between the one who filled the believer and the believer has occurred. This is a spiritual operation. Now we've gone out of the course, because of this, we've gone out of the course of nature, the intellect, and we have walked out of natural human things, and we've crossed over by the submission of the tongue into an arena of the spirit world. We could hear and speak to the building of the body of Christ directly from the messaging of Jesus Christ himself. Now a dynamic has occurred that our Ephesians 2.8 faith cannot employ. You remember that Ephesians 2.8 faith. It's the faith where grace and an act, a work rather, of Jesus Christ that has come by the blood through an act of, of Jesus Christ has been formed in us. And we recognize that and wrap our faith around it and believe it and believe it and release it into our lives until it materializes. Now we're talking about a dynamic now that the Ephesians 2.8 kind of faith cannot employ. In other words, we've left the place where grace and the blood or grace and the acts of Jesus are formed in you and then you apply your faith to the substance and evidence that's an operation in you. And there you draw out, by faith, the manifested result. Now when we go and operate in the arena of tongues, which Paul said, I would that you all spoke in tongues, we are beginning to close the gap between what has been formed in heaven and what is required in the earth. Here we are seeing that what has been formed in the heavenly environment that Jesus Christ, our man in the Godhead, desires to make known to us or to be present with us or to be ministered into the body of an individual or the church is coming for the refreshment of the people. This is a dynamic where heaven is pouring out the concepts, ideas, and insights that cause the church and its people 
to operate from the position of prospering wherewithal. That means that you will be able to take advantage of this ministry in the Spirit and be at the advantage while you are living, walking, working, talking among men. Think about that. You will have an advantage over other men. How could anybody in their right mind not desire that advantage? How could anybody in their right mind not want to walk into this advantage of the spirit world? We have the advantage of our decision making, of our depth of knowledge. We have the advantage to be able to see into the spirit world to know what of what spirit one who we're dealing with. Think about that in business is operating from. Our faith is so expansive because we're grasping not from what we have to offer in faith, but from the actual faith of Jesus Christ who is operating from the heavenly economy what he is forming to make known in the earth. The things that are prepared for us who love him. Miracles and healings that are formed in heaven are revealed. How in the world did this occur? It happened because of submission. By allowing our tongue to reflect the submission that allows the Holy Ghost to speak the words of Jesus through us. By doing so, the gap between heaven and earth has been closed. We can operate here and now in the things that are formed in heaven and that have been promised to us in Jesus Christ. This becomes the place where yea and amen is no longer a word on the page. It's a manifestation of the presence or what Jesus wants you to know. Then, in direct words, he speaks and instructs what the heavenly system desires for the church to know. And of course, an interpreter who is filled with this spirit shares the message and the church is blessed. In so doing, the gap between where he is and where we are is closed. Then after we understand the importance of the tongue and the submission that it takes for one to be available for use in the spirit world, then prophecy emerges. Now what do we perceive concerning prophecy? Since it's had its genesis in the use of tongues, we must conclude that the prophecy then is legitimate. We'll try it, prove it, watch to see if it is corroborated by action. We will define it by scripture. We'll define it by divine revelation or by the confirming words of Jesus Christ. So if we desire to close the gap, we must come in to the spirit world through tongues. If we desire to remain distant and detached, we remain in spiritual atmospheres where our tongue produces nothing that reflects submission of course, this is a place where the beauty of the riches of God in Christ Jesus are seen, but they are only seen through a glass ceiling. We're aware that they are there, but we do not understand how in the world to get to them. So frustration sets in, and then they say, well, God just doesn't do it like that anymore. All of those foolish things that are contrary and a direct lie, a, a reproach, to the word of God. We use faith that works in this situation where we are frustrated with God 
and those the faith that we're working with has boundaries. Often those boundaries are established because of a lack of instruction concerning how to use faith in the first place. But nevertheless, we never cross over into the spirit world to have the things that are formed in heaven and make them available unto us. My friend, this is tragic. God in his word has made this transition quite clear. Paul in his teaching has also made this transition quite clear. I would that ye all spoke with tongues. Then he says, but rather that you prophesy. Now I conclude, as I conclude this teaching, I want you to notice that Paul states that he would that ye all spoke with tongues and then he says, but rather that you prophesy. Why was it stated this way? Because prophecy without the correct interest is nothing more, without the correct entrance, is nothing more than intellectual acrobatics. If we speak in tongues and then we prophesy, we are operating from a view, a vein of communication that goes directly into the throne room of the Godhead. But we must only get there through submitting our tongue and allowing the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit. There it produces the message that transforms and emits the ways of God that are all upon Jesus Christ. He is in you, and the ways of Jesus Christ are in you himself. From these ways, acts are made manifest. They're not things you see in the natural course of the events of life. They are things that you see in the spirit world. They are things that are formed in the heavenly economy that are able to be given as gifts to men. A new fire is kindled. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. From that fire, men will see the absolute wonderful works of God manifesting themselves upon the people of God. Now listen, do not resist the Spirit, my friend. He desires to close the gap between you and the heavenly economy through being the God that supplies all of your need according to his riches in the glory and glory. Turn your helm, your tongue, over to him. Yield and submit your tongue to him. Allow him to use your tongue to both communicate with him and make it so he is able to communicate with you. In so doing, the things that are freely provided for you by the Spirit will be made known to you, his presence will be made known to you, and his divine ministry will be made known to you. And you will be operating in the power of the Most High God. But you will only get in there through the baptism with, of, the, uh, of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. My friend, that yielding and that submission is so much worth it because it will give you the ability to have an advantage among men in all walks of your life, everywhere you go and in everything you do. The advantage of the presence of what God in Jesus Christ wants to make known to be a ministry to you and to bless you. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Well, I appreciate you. Study on this and meditate on it. Read the word of God. You'll find that you are missing your advantage 
and you are struggling through life because you have never tapped in to the thing, the place that God intended for you to use as an advantage in every place and everything you do. Do it now. We love you and we appreciate you. Jesus Christ is Lord. Find Him there and you'll find Him as the Lord over everything in your life that has a name. But if you'll find Him as the man in the Godhead, He through the Holy Spirit will speak to you and He will show you things to come. And from there, you will find the eternal advantage of living life in the Spirit. May God bless you until we speak again.